I've just been watching Seinfeld a lot recently. Yeah, you I feel me like that. the com- the comedy is uh, bad. No, actually, Subpar? I think as an as an adult, I think it's actually way funnier than just waiting for that to be done so I could watch The Simpsons after. You know, no, honestly, Seinfeld is a really good show. But it is. I don't like Jerry Seinfeld's humor usually, like a stand-up. It's observational, but they poke fun at that. You know, the whole thing is about nothing, and it's observational, and and that's what it is. And I feel like I stem somewhat from that path. You know, can I, I feel like you, he, it's a trailblazer. Can I tell you something that that's counterproductive from what I was just talking about? Yes, I've never watched Seinfeld. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know why I have an opinion. <laughs> so, this isn't an episode about Seinfeld. This is Bad Bandmates podcast. And I'm Nate and that's Josh. Here I am. Yeah, podcast. And this episode is all about Mac Miller. Mackie. Mac Attack. Attack the Mac. That's right. You took the and only that... one that I knew. <laughs> Mac Attack? Yeah. I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> um, so I don't know much about Mac Miller. And I feel like up until maybe a handful of months ago, Josh wasn't too... Inter- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you you didn't really know much about Mac Miller either. I don't want you to put anything in my mouth. Uh, I'm, you're yeah. you're going to cut that, so, <laughs> and then let your guys... <laughs> so the story did, goes... Yeah, hit it up. I knew some music of Mac Miller's from back in 2011, 2012. Same here. He had yeah. a song called Knock Knock. Mm-hmm. which I used to listen to, and I he had a television show on MTV. And if I'm being candid, I thought at that time in my life I was, what was I, 12 when that came out? No. 22? How old was I? Yeah. I'm trying to do the... <laughs> okay, you were 12. not 12 because he... <laughs> I do it. <laughs> His first like mixtape came out in like two thousand nine. No, see, here's the well. Here's why I was born in nineteen ninety. So like, yes. if it's two thousand twelve, I know that my age ends in a two, and I wasn't. I'm not good with being not an idiot. So I saw two thousand twelve, and I was like, well, I was either twelve or twenty two. So <laughs> two options. I'm not an accountant, so it's fine. So anyways. So anyway. <laughs> I used to watch his television show. Apparently, I was 22 at the time. And I thought to myself, man, what a douche. Yes. I thought he was Same, actually. super douchey. And I thought his music was douchey. And then recently, my wife, this is maybe a year ago, started getting very heavy into Mac Miller. Specifically, albums from, I believe it's 2016 till current. His most current right, album. The Divine Feminine, uh, Swimming, yep. and... And so Well, that's... that's Yeah, but that's po- posthumous album. Yeah. Anyway, she started listening to them pretty heavily. And I do this thing where if my friends or anybody close to me like something, I usually 
kind of just just rip on it right away until I'm forced to give it a chance. So I made fun of her for that. But then, you know, I was just being a dick. But then I listened to his album Swimming, and I absolutely fell in love with it, and I've kind of been entranced in the Mac Miller world ever since then. And then I was like, I should make Nate do this too. To the, to the extent for me where even music that I make now sounds like I'm ripping off Mac Miller. And I'm okay with that. That's okay. I mean, literally, we all pull influence from somewhere, and sometimes our influences just change month to month or Mm -hmm. year to year, and sometimes you discover someone who really pushes you creatively, and I think that that's a good thing. You know, it pushes us in a different direction that maybe we would have never gone in before. And this is definitely not a direction I would have gone in because I believe that when Mac Miller started out in his first I don't know, album or two or mixtapes or whatever he did. I'm not that familiar with his past before the Divine Feminine 2016 stuff. But I believe that he was labeled under like jock rap, which for a lack of a better way of saying it is like douchebag rap. Yeah, preppy kid, preppy mm-hmm. white kid rap. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yep. Yeah. And I think personally, upon listening to Swimming and Circles, specifically those two albums, I think that he uh, grew up. Yeah, dude, I remember seeing, um, there was one friend in particular that really, really, really liked Mac Miller. I actually remember that when he passed away, um, I actually remember texting her and being like, hey, dude, like, because she was really way into a way into Mac Miller back in the day. And I was like, hey, dude, like, I just heard that Mac Miller passed away and, and stuff. And, you know, it was just this like, sad moment of like, because when he was putting out music and stuff at at his at his early stuff, I mean, I was like tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade, you know. Yeah. Because I think he started back in like two thousand nine, and at least that's when his stuff was kind of starting to blow up and do stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember being shown songs like uh, "Frozen Pizza" and "Kool Aid," and. Uh, like something about like I got my Nikes or something like <laughs> it's like just like and and honestly every song was about smoking weed getting drunk uh oh and then uh, senior skip day was another track that he had and and I was just like I don't I don't like this because that was actually the when I was really getting into hip-hop and and rap music mm-hmm. was when he was kind of coming coming up and I mean, you know, he was following certain things that were kind of being popular at the time, at least from what I can see. Someone could prove me wrong, but uh, it just wasn't for me because I was listening to stuff that was like, I was in that pretentious phase where I was like, no, only underground rap is is good. Like, (laughs) I was like, you know, Jedi Mind Tricks and uh, some of the people in Minneapolis, like out of Rhyme Sayers, like uh, Aesop Rock and... Uh, you know, I was I was diving deep down the rabbit holes of rap, and then people like Lil Wayne and Mac Miller and uh, all this stuff were blowing up, and I was like, not for it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so much. I'm with you on that. I was at the time I was really into Atmosphere and Tupac. That was pretty much the only. That was <laughs> yeah. It. Hey man, I mean, I mean they're tunes. great. They're great. Yeah. I don't know if you like Tupac or not, but I'm I'm a fan. I do. All right. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Good stuff. 
You gotta like Tupac. So know? so what we did for this episode was there's kind of a lot. Try and follow along. <laughs> we listened to <laughs> his two most recent albums, Swimming and Circles. And the reason why we did that is because upon my research of Mac Miller, obviously he put out Swimming and then he passed away before Circles came out. But they released Circles you know, under his name around the world because he wanted these two albums to coincide as if to say Swimming in Circles. So right. we, we took those two together because, I mean, sonically they're they're relatively close. And it was right yeah. at the ending point of his life, so we felt it was important. And then we did a little bit of research on him, and we watched a tiny desk concert that he did. So we're just going to chat about all of that. So right. We'll, and honestly, it'll probably veer from off the tracks. You know how it is. You know sim- how we similar do. to what we did with Lil Peep, I suppose. Yeah. Because I would his the way that Mac Miller grew up, or not grew up, but the way that he came up, I should say, is a similar realm to what... Lil Peep did in the SoundCloud world and the the young rapper and the it's a little different style of music but it's sort of similar. Yeah, it's a similar come up in the scene, so to speak, like you said. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> just to just to really quickly go back to like the how he kind of just he felt like a little bit of a douchebag. Uh, I just remember I have like this image burned in my mind of him like wearing like khaki pants with like button ups all like almost all the way to the top and then like a backwards ball cap but like not where you'd have it it was like halfway back on his head and backwards and like when i see that look i actually just i physically something happens yeah i I agree with that but you know what so this is illegal I found a Reddit thread where they had this show available, the two seasons that he had. This was uh-huh. just a couple months ago, and I downloaded them onto a flash drive, and I watched it with my wife. And after what has happened in his life, I suppose, or with what he went through with, because obviously depression and all kinds of shit in his life and his drug addictions, he kind of, this this sort of hit me the same way that little Peep did, because he sort of had the same... I guess kind of life as him where he was yeah. really happy and, and silly and goofy, but you could kind of see it in his eyes that he takes care of all of his friends and he doesn't really like it. Yeah, no, I totally, I, cause I mean, when you see a little peep as well, you're just kind of like, what a tool. What's this, you know, it's, it's the whole judging a book by its cover, you yes. know, and it's, which is and, horrible, but that's what, uh, that's what we all do as humans. Absolutely. And I feel like, Especially music-wise, because I, I, like I mentioned, I used to be very pretentious musically. Um, now I've expanded my uh, my horizons a little bit. And I think this doing this podcast also helps that, just to be able to listen to other types of music. I still might not like the other types of music, but I see maybe why people can relate to the music that, that uh, people choose to make or or do, so... Um, yeah, Mac Miller was definitely a judge of the book by its cover sort of thing. But like you mentioned earlier, I think he really, really evolved into an artist and a musician and not that he wasn't before, but I think he started somewhere and he kind of exploded from that and he continued to grow and expand it musically, sonically, uh, and experiment with different things. And the two albums that we listened to, you can really tell that. And 
I don't know how much hand he had in production, but I know that he really played multi-instrumentalist. Yep. I mean, he... Yeah, he, drums, keyboard, uh, guitar. Yeah, bass. I mean, you know, so I, I imagine that he definitely was part of the ideas that were being thrown around sonically for his albums. And so uh, I, I just think that he had a lot of great ideas and he eventually got to this place where he was fully just free as an artist. And I think these last two albums of his, uh, you know, Circles and Swimming are a perfect place to start for someone like me that may not have thought highly of his music before, but kind of wants to maybe dive back into his music. Uh, just cause I think there's a lot of good ideas in there. So mm-hmm. should we get into the albums a little bit? Yeah. You want to get into, let's start with swimming because swimming has my two favorite songs of anything that I've heard of his. And one of them is the intro track to the album, come back to earth. Okay. I think that, after listening to his previous music and then going into swimming and circles, I think that this song in particular set a tone for what, what I got out of it was him saying like, you might've heard what you heard before, but just so you know, that's not at all what the fuck I'm going to do anymore. And this is going to be just a really like laid back jazzy, extremely emotional album. And I think that this song in particular hit just about everything that I would want out of hip-hop music if that makes sense or the style of music i should say um you probably can't see that but there's a gnat flying around (laughs) me and it just flew like (laughs) just darting me in the in the eyes no i'll agree with you on the intro track i mean i didn't get it (laughs) (laughs) anyway so i'll agree with you on the intro track i i really enjoyed it it was very moody very spacey i mean Mm -hmm. you know and and uh yeah it set a nice vibe for the album so i yeah i agree with that one so i i just i don't really know what else to say about that song i just think it's a good song it's everything that he wrote on both of these albums is very catchy and you know how i am with catchy i like to be able to sing along that's the only thing i understand about your musical taste yeah but i don't understand what catches you so you'll never understand and i'll never (laughs) i'll never be able to explain it uh, the one, <laughs> this is going to be like little, little peeps music again, where you, you kind of mm-hmm. pick out things and like yeah. in one of his lyrics in come back to earth is I do anything for a way out of my head and mm. like, man, this guy struggled. And I know that mm-hmm. at this point after swimming or before swimming, he, he left LA where he was living with all of his friends when he filmed his television show and whatnot. He moved back to Pittsburgh. I watched that in an interview. I think you watched it too, if I'm not mistaken. I think I sent you that one. Yes. And uh, I feel like, I don't know the, the way that it lined up, but it sounded like, you know, when he when he wrote this, it was cathartic and he was getting getting out of his own way and getting out of L.A. and trying to sober up and better himself, which musically I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Throughout the whole album on this, I I constantly think that I could do with less vocal effects. It's there's so much reverb, there's so much chorus. But then I listened to it for the first time today through studio speakers. 
And I don't know if you heard this or not, but did you notice how many layers he has on everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, that's one of my notes. Um, expand on that. Feel free. There's just, there's not... Normally when you listen to music, like on a chorus, you'll hear doubles of everything or even triples if it's a really big chorus. And then on a verse, you might have like one lead and then you might faintly hear something like in the bottom right ear. But this one was like both sides had three or four different layers, octaves, harmonies, and it went throughout the whole everything. And then on top of that, he had the harmonies that stick out and are supposed to stick out, which I thought was a little look into how much time was actually put into the album to make it sound like what he, I would assume, wanted it to sound like. I completely agree, yeah. You can tell that there was just a passion for the music uh, on this on this album like i noticed so many times where there was just like one part for like 15 seconds in a song where uh i can't remember let me uh let me look up my notes quick i just wanted to make a note about this one song now that you touched on that layers part um the song the song ladders uh which is a little bit later in the album um it's First of all, great song. I really like this song a lot. Like it's very melancholy, moody in the beginning, and the beat kicks in really nice and funky. But uh, it had this like ten to fifteen second part, kind of in a verse, where there was just this little eighties style kind of riffy guitar happening mm-hmm. in the background. It was very faint, but it was there, and I don't think it ever appeared again. It was just there for like 10, 15 seconds on one verse, and then it never came in again. And I love little touches like that. And I might have missed it too, I, you know, uh, if it did come back again. But it was like this little plunky 80s sto- sort of style guitar. And it was just one of those things where like musically, as a, as a musician, you're like, I like that. I like that there was just that subtle thing that was added in there. And then it never comes back. It's just, it was there and, and it's gone. I have <laughs> it's a, so cool. I have a similar note about the song, Dunno. That's that's my, my, my other favorite song off of this album. And what I liked about it is similar to that aspect where the song is along the same lines where it's rather melancholy and just kind of a, a basic jazzy kind of hip hop song. But uh-huh. he adds in these little things in each verse. Like the first verse is very empty. And then there's a little chorus and the next verse comes in and they add a little kick drum and then the next verse comes in and they add a just like a spicy little guitar, but it's just it's tucked into the background, but it just kind of gives you a feel that the song built up and got really big and it never really did. And that leads me to think that with the whole album, I think another thing that gets me on it is his older music or a lot of hip hop music is just a sample that's kind of on repeat. And then they right. rap over it. Whereas I feel like these songs were catered to what he catered to more of his writing is what yes. I should say, which I think is, is lost in a lot of music today. Everything's just, a lot of it is sampled and then you just do whatever you want to over it. And they might change a little bit for a chorus, but generally it's just vocal changes. Whereas I feel like a lot of his music, what he was saying kind of took a back seat to the music because the music was, playing along with the vocals so well that that was just adding to the music as opposed to being over the top of it. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like a hundred percent. It's, it's a fantastic album. I, I really think that swimming is something that I actually, I would love to keep coming back to like time and time again. I think it's, uh, 
there's a little bit of uh, lower parts where I'm just kind of like, eh, maybe I could do without. But I think that the, I think that the highs are really high on this album, and the the you know quote unquote lows are, they're just really good. You know, it's not like it's not duds. You know, it's not it's not misses. At least in my opinion, you know, it's it's just nice yeah. musically, yeah. sonically. There are certain songs that. I mean, because you, you, it's very rare that you love every single song on an entire album as much as you mm-hmm. like your favorite songs off the album. So there are certain songs that I won't necessarily skip if I haven't heard in a long time, but I've been listening to this album once a week since I, I heard it in a very literal wow. way. Yes, I'm wow. obsessive. I think it's really good. But yeah, at this is. point, like I'll skip over Perfecto. I'll skip over Wings. I'll skip over Jet Fuel. They're not bad songs, but sure. if there had to be something that you classify as filler... I would classify those as filler. If you've never right. heard the album, you definitely want to hear it front to back. But if you've heard it as many times as I have, those aren't, yeah. for me anyway, those aren't as hard hitting as like Small Worlds or 2009 or right. some of the hits on it. Um, on the note of 2009, so in an interview I watched or read, I can't remember, he said that 2009 wasn't going to make the album. This is one of the bigger songs of this album, I believe. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He said so. He said that it wasn't going to make the album, or he didn't want it on the album because it was so personal to him. And mm. I thought this song was great, just in general. I thought it was very well written, and it was incredibly personal. But it kind of gave you a look into since his sound changed so much. His lyrically in this, it was a lot of him saying like, you know, I, like I fucked up a lot. I had a lot of bad moments in my past. I'm never gonna be like as big as I want to be, or I'm never going to do certain things in my life, but I'm okay with that. And I'm happy with where I'm at now. And it felt like this towards the end of this album, he reached like a comfortable spot in his life where he was, he was cozy and he was happy. And I assume at this point, again, he was back in Pittsburgh in his home. And I thought listening to the album, that this would have been a great ender to the entire album. If this was the ending note, I thought it would have been fantastic. Yeah. Did not though. No, that that song is. I mean, it is. It comes from a personal place, you know. And but I always like that. I mean, look, as an artist, like you don't have to ever feel like you need to give an insight into your personal life. But I think when you do that, I feel like you have people that that come forward and connect with those moments because maybe they're going through similar things and it just gets people that much closer to the artists that they're like or listen to, uh, or maybe gets them into an artist that they never would have listened to otherwise, but that song connected with them because of how personal it is. And I think that this song, you know, it, it from the, from the tiny desk concert, I think he played this song, right? Yeah. It was it was, I believe it was or? his ending song. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this song was like so beautiful during that Tiny Desk concert that it's kind of what made me, you know, feel like I wanted to deep dive into Mac Miller's uh, music. Uh, I never ended up doing it uh, until now. Uh, well, I mean, I've started to dive. I've scratched the surface. <laughs> but it's, it, there's something personal about it that makes you connect more to the artist. And they shouldn't have to be forced to, to make something personal. Because again, I think that sometimes that comes off as corny, but you can tell the difference between corny and and genuine. And I I think this is a genuinely personal and yeah, just 
just a glimpse into his life kind of song. So, yeah. yeah. And he has a line in it that says, isn't it funny? We can make a lot of money, buy a lot of things just to feel a lot of ugly. And I feel like that's a good representation of what he thought of the Hollywood scene, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause he was very, very open and vocal about the fact that he hated Hollywood. He hated record labels in the music industry, which, you know, most people do. Like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's not a hidden fact. Definitely. Uh, he ended the album with "So It Goes." It was it was an okay song. It wasn't my my favorite ending song on the album. I would I would say that I don't know how to word it without sounding like a dick. I thought it was a little lackluster musically speaking compared to the rest of the album. I didn't think it was anything fantastic, and I would have probably left it at 2009 if I had all my druthers. But I'm also not a producer, and I've never been a professional musician, so my opinion's <laughs> dick. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, if he really did not want 2009 to be on the album, and then to have a song that he felt was too personal for him be the finite closer of this album that you know in a lot of ways I feel like was was probably something more of a again I haven't listened to everything but it felt like it was more of an open album like it was a, a piece of of him like a little bit more personal you know and a little bit more it's not braggadocious it's not that weed rap from 2010 11 it's not right. that you know, oh, let's party album. It's it's like a, it's like coming to terms with uh, <laughs> just all that past, you know, sort of thing, and and just having a look back on it. So yeah, I I mean, I'm with you. 2009 would have been like a perfect album ender, and and it didn't end that way. It and it was a little bit lackluster like you said to to end it with the the other song but it's okay i mean i i feel like because of how personal 2009 was for him and because he didn't want it on the album maybe it was like well we can't end the album with this like you know <laughs> let's just keep it let's keep it the way it was and let's put 2009 before the last track mm -hmm. you know who knows who knows how much of an afterthought putting 2009 in was you know We'll never know. And didn't know how big it would be. Because like, like you said, I feel like it is a big song. I feel like it's a song people connect with. So. Yeah. I feel like this this album is the one that would have, you know, had he not passed away with, with Circles coming out. I feel like Swimming was good enough to launch him into a whole new level of his career. Yeah. And uh, it's a bummer that he didn't get to see Circles through. So I was just going to mention, like, just a couple couple cool things about about this album and and honestly just i guess mac miller i mean this is a perfect spot to to start i think if you're gonna if you're gonna get into his music um i think he perfectly blends hip-hop r&b funk and soul and he kind of brings it all together for like a modern feel and i love that i mean the song uh What's the use? I, that song is holy crap, man! I I love that song so much. First of all, there's so many like subtle things to it. Snoop Dogg is in the background, yeah. just saying, 
little things yep. on the chorus. He's kind of like, just talking. Yeah. He's, like, it's almost like he was just like with Mac Miller. And then he was like, oh, shit, what's that song you're, you know, you're playing in the background? And then Mac Miller's like, oh, it's I'm, it's a song called What's the Use? He's like, well, let me talk over it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I assume that Snoop Dogg was like in Studio B while Mac Miller was in Studio A. And he was just like, you want to come over and just, just talk in the background of my chorus. You don't have to say anything important. Just speak. Yeah. And then, so we have Snoop Dogg talking in the background, you know, with his smooth, you know, weed-soaked voice, uh, as Hell always. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I think, now don't quote me, and maybe I'm just, you know, going off of the Tiny Desk uh, concert, but... I think the baseline for that song was actually Thundercat. If it wasn't, then Thundercat was on that bridge. There's that little like weird break mm-hmm. that's kind of like spacey and like just really high falsetto like vocals for just like a snippet. That's Thundercat's voice. Yep. Like I I would I know it anywhere. And um so even if Thundercat didn't do the baseline, which I love Thundercat, um he at least was singing on this little bridge and uh i just love that i love that like just this little but man what's the use is so funky it's so groovy i love that track that song actually i have listened to quite a bit because i saw mac miller's tiny desk concert like way you know way in the past like i said it made me want to dive into his uh catalog a little bit but i never did but that song was at its Tiny Desk concert, and Thundercat slapped some bass on it. And, and my uh, God. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But whew, I love that man. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, I, I mean, at that and I, I already, I already kind of touched on Ladders. Ladders was really nice. It was so kind of slow and, and uh, uh, you know, draggy in the beginning. But then... The beat just kicks in. It's so punchy. It's so groovy. It's so funky. I love that. I love that so much. And then, I think I just said one more thing on this this joint, and then we can move on. Um. Oh, small worlds. I. It's, I mean, small worlds is uh just such a great tune. The the beat is so basic it's like this very simple kick snare drum drum beat in the background that reminds me of like an old school kind of like hip-hop track would be where Mm -hmm. where they sampled some backing track from like the 70s and then they just use this really really repeatable really basic uh, drum pattern and it works really well i love this track and uh it's it's not like he's off key in his singing, but it sounds like he's kind of just. It, it sounds like he's emotionally singing. Yeah, you know what I mean. When he says Where, the um, the "I don't want to keep you waiting" part, right? Yeah. It it's not. I don't know how to word this. It's not on key, but it's yeah. on enough <laughs> where it it's kind of yeah, kind of like, cute, I guess. It's towing the line of like. It's not perfect. This is just me, yeah. sort of thing. And it's that's... just so like it's cheesy to say that out loud, but like it, it's you could tell, like we were gushing about earlier, where this is truly a, a passion 
project of music. You know, you can tell that where it was so deliberate. And if it wasn't deliberate, well, it works. That's kind of (laughs) his voice in general. Is he? I wouldn't say that he has the world's best singing voice. Yeah. But it is so, well, it's very pleasing. He has a very pleasing tone to it. I will say that. That's what I like about it most, I think. But he's not always perfectly on pitch. But it is so emotional. The writing is so good that it works. Actually, when he passed away, John Mayer did a cover of this song. At a uh-huh. at a concert in in memory of Max Life, and he yeah. was very on pitch when he sang, and it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like he was perfectly on key, and I was like, "Something's missing from this." And John Mayer right, is incredibly like, talented. Right? There's like a, and not not that John Mayer doesn't have passion, but there's a there's something where you can feel someone's emotion behind the track, and if you're not like emotionally invested in this tune, which obviously how can you get emotionally invested in someone else's music to a degree where you can emulate it so perfectly, you know, and there's something missing. And I think that thing that's missing is like that, that kind of passion behind the the song where it's not perfect, but look, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to, and we're just going to keep that. Because that's all I want. I don't want to do this again because there's something in it that I just want out. And once I get it out, then hopefully we had it recorded because I'm going to use that. You know, I don't know. He did have. I don't know how much that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, On the note of Small Worlds, too, I I forgot to write a note about this, but he has that part where he's just saying, yeah, but it's going back and forth like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going left to right in your ears. And that brought me back to like remembering that. That seems like something that that somebody that doesn't have a big fancy studio would do, and it would be on a SoundCloud song. And I was like, he's still kind of just that kid. Then <laughs> it was very cool. Yeah, 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 definitely. But anyway, go go back to your. Honestly, that that's really all I had. Like I said, I I mean, I don't have much notes wise because I feel like, um, I feel like this is me. Uh, piggybacking off of your passion for Mac Miller and listening to an album at least, you know, once a week for, you know, a year or so. It's been like, I mean, that's it's been like four months. Well, that's what I said. Four months. I'm not knocking I'm, what you said. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> it, yeah. But like, you know, uh, I feel like this is, this is something that, you know, you're just being like, Dude, I need you to listen to this, and I'm I'm here for it. So, I don't have much notes to go off of. Truly, just little snippets. That's great. Here and there. That's great. Uh, so circles. Yeah. So circles was released after he passed away. So it'll be yeah Max last album. I don't have too much for notes on this. I really liked swimming. I thought circles as a whole. For for me was sort of just okay. It had really high moments, but it had it had a lot that I wasn't as big of a fan on. Sure. Uh but it it's sort of along the same lines as swimming, except I feel like he grew a little bit more and strayed away from having a very similar sound on every song where all of the songs had kind of took on their own form. As opposed yeah. to swimming, that was a very straightforward, like this is the sound that I'm going for on the whole album. Yeah. So it starts with with uh, circles, 
which is mm-hmm. basically a happier version of the intro that he did on swimming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He took the There's a lot of similar parallels mm-hmm. to that, so. He took the same formula on that one. Uh the bass in it, I don't know what what kind of speakers you listened on, but again, I listened on my studio speakers today and the bass tone is so good, you can hear the wood on the bass guitar. <laughs> Like it, it sounds like it sounds like what you'd expect a bass to sound like if you're on the right speakers, which in in hip hop in general or R and B is kinda hard to find because a lot of them are sampled basses, but this is very, very clearly a real bass player. Which is refreshing. Yeah. At least at least if it isn't, they made it sound good. Most they certainly made it sound like it. So yeah, definitely. What did you think of I don't know if you recall the song or not, but the synth on complicated. Do you recall it? Um, I think I remember that one. Let me. I think I, I kind of have some like question and answer ones on these notes. No, no, no. That's that's perfectly fine. Changed it up a little bit. Uh, complicated. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's it's. So let me let me actually just kind of blanket statement this this album. Uh, after listening to Swimming, which I thought was an exceptional album, I really liked it, uh, was just, there wasn't as much, okay, so Swimming, I thought there was variety, like, there never was, there was always something switching up vocally, mm-hmm. or he would rap a little bit, then sing, and he would do this, then he would do that, he would add little touches musically, and he and he wouldn't in some areas, and Obviously, this is this is something you have to take with a grain of salt because it's like he clearly, at least, you know, he clearly wasn't there for the the finish of it. You know, right? This was like maybe the bones were there, the structure of everything was there. They had everything at least laid down. But I imagine with swimming after they laid down vocal tracks, after they laid down. Uh, the the instrumentals and things like that. That's where after they had those bones, they really began to take shape of everything else that we praised on on swimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this, it felt like it was super minimal, super basic, super. I don't want to say uninteresting, but it was just like there. It wasn't. It, the 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 spark that wasn't there. You know? I feel you on that. I th- I think that they missed on just musically, and I don't want to knock it because again, this is a great album as well. But musically yeah. speaking, as opposed to swimming, I think that the mixing and the mastering was very lackluster in comparison. I feel like a lot of the heart was taken out. Some some of the warmth mm-hmm. is how I would describe it because this this had a lot of potential. Like songs like Good News. Is, is a great song. And I think that that one was mixed very well and it was mastered very well and it sounded very similar to the, the, the swimming style. But then yes. songs like Hand Me Downs, which is, a, is yeah. a great song, but something with the the percussion and then the mixing on the vocals just seems almost too clean for the sound that I think that he would have wanted out of the album. I think so too, yeah. And also... I think... Sorry. Go oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just gonna ask you who who the fuck's singing on hand me downs because they don't say who think, it is. 
I think so. I think this album was produced between Mac Miller and this other guy. Um, we should probably look up his name so that we don't look like like goobers buttholes. I think it's John Bryan is the main one. Yeah, John Bryan and Mac Miller are the main two, and then there's a few others that stray in and out, it looks like. So, I don't know. Sonically, the whole album has the same feel, I feel like, but, yeah, there's something missing. And like you mentioned, Good News, which I think is my favorite song off the album, Mm -hmm. even though it's like six and a half, seven minutes long. It's a very long song. It doesn't feel that way, and I feel like it. It kind of, it kind of puts everything together. I feel like musically for Mac Miller, just it, it's a, it's kind of a powerful song. It just knowing what we know now, and just listening to that song, and I think sonically everything was done between Mac Miller and John Bryan for the most part, and these two made the soundscape together. But then, I don't think it had based on listening to swimming i don't think it had that like that polish from mac miller that i think that uh based on swimming we had you know where there was all those tweaks and stuff like that i don't i don't know it's i feel like they they attempted it at certain points like surf is a note that i have they have a guitar in in surf that comes in and does like a little fill little filler yeah and it sounds like a really cool kind of staticky jack white guitar but it doesn't really make sense to me like i and and again this might just be because i'm used to swimming and that's obviously my starting point and that's the album that i love so much but it's added in but it's added in almost to an awkward extent where it really takes focal point and it's not adding to the music it's kind of overpowering the music yeah and that's kind of the I i would be interested to see what this album sounded like if he had the full control or at least more control over what it sounded like, what, what was added in after his passing. And right. I would be interested to see what it sounded like. Um, oh, uh, so I don't know who it was singing on that song, but maybe it was John Bryan. Who knows? I don't could know. Have been. No idea. They, they give, they give no, <laughs> you know they give mean? no credits on it. So I, like on, on Amazon music or Spotify, they don't say who it is. <laughs> Right. Which is, is a little bit frustrating. So to sum up the, not I'm not finished yet, but to sum up the whole album and my vibe on it, this album kind of bummed me out a little bit more than Swimming because I feel like the way that the songs were laid out is one is happy and then one is obviously like good news is is a play on what I got out of it was people asking too much of him and him just being fucking over it. And then yeah. he'd write another song that was kind of a happy song and then a bummer song. And it kind of seemed like this really heavy battle in his own head. Sure. And I don't know if this is the way that the album was supposed to be laid out, but it felt, for lack of a better way of saying it, almost bipolar. Yeah. No, I, I get you. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about this one. It, it, was a good, it was a good album. I would listen to them both. I think that the, it ends with the song Once a Day. I feel like that song should have been the ender to swimming. I feel like it was aesthetically... Do you remember which song I'm talking about? I think so. Let me just listen one more time. Uh, maybe. Maybe I could see that. I guess what I more mean is I would have thought this was a more pleasing ending to swimming 
than it would have been or than it was on this album and i feel like the ending on swimming would have been stronger if it was this instead of what's on there like i don't feel like this really made sense at the end of this album but it probably would have made sense on swimming and the ending on swimming okay. i wouldn't have put on either of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah again if i had my druthers right right which which we don't i mean who does right. nowadays? But yeah, this is. I probably um, wouldn't return to this whole album again. Like you said, "Good News" is a, is a great song, front to back. Yes. I don't tend to listen to this whole thing. I like "Circles" and "Good News." The rest of it, I thought, was lost in the in the mixing and the mastering and how empty spaced it was. It didn't have the. This album didn't have the even the vocal layers that "Swimming" had. Yes, it it, it does feel. Yeah, I, I hate to say it again, but yeah, that emptiness, it just feels empty. And who knows, maybe that would have been on purpose too, because I feel like swimming in circles, they are kind of, they have this opposite feel. Yeah, so I don't know. You know how I read really, really deep into music and I make up stories sometimes in my head? Sure. So his point of these two albums was to release them, like I said, and call it, it was supposed to be swimming in circles. So I wonder now, now that I'm thinking about it, if once a day was kind of a perfect ender, at least for me, because it reminded me of swimming and it kind of brought it right back for me. So I wonder if that was purposeful. Like a circle. Right. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. No, definitely. I think you might be onto something. Anything else on this album, Nate? I don't I don't think so. No. It's a it's a nice bow maybe to the to kind of package his whole life and discography. Uh it's it's just not for me an interesting album. Sure. It's it's very downer and it's it's uh again it's a it's a album that was released after he passed and it just feels like that. It does. You know? Yes. It, it's, uh, I don't know. You can't really explain it, but you can feel it. So So another, th- yeah. another thing that we did was watch his Tiny Desk concert, which was relatively short. It was only four songs, 17 minutes long. It's on YouTube. And I got to say off the bat, I've watched a lot of Tiny Desk concerts. I haven't seen any like this. I thought, Really? In what way? Normally when I see bands do Tiny Desk, and this is just from what I've watched, because I've only watched bands that I like, they'll kind of go in and they'll cater to an acoustic sound specifically. They'll take their songs. There's not a whole lot of variation. They just play them in an acoustic way with a cajon or like hot rods on a drum kit. And I feel like they really took the time to keep these songs alive in a sense. Yeah. But cater to the room, which is different to me than just stripping down and playing an acoustic set. Yes. Which I thought was very, very pleasing. And might I say, I don't know how how much instrumentation he does on albums or anything, because in, in the Tiny Desk concert, all he did was vocals. But if these are the, the players that are on the album, whether it was them or him, they're good, really good. <laughs> yeah. Really, really yeah. good. So I'm, I don't want to take away from this one, because we're talking about Mac Miller right now, but I would encourage you to watch, like, any hip hop artist that's been on Tiny Desk, Run the Jewels did a Tiny Desk. Mm, that would be fucking, fun. F- fucking, it's, it's dope. 
I okay, so again, not to take away from Mac Miller, we're talking about him, but I watch on probably a bi-weekly basis T-Pain's Tiny Desk concert. Yes, so good. It's actually it's maybe one of the most incredible things I forgot I've seen that in my I've life. seen that. That was wildly impressive. It was just him and a keyboard. <laughs> so <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it's so good. Anyways, so Mac Miller's Tiny Desk concert uh the reason I watched this was because um I saw that Thundercat who's again we touched on him earlier, he's a bass player. He makes his own music. He's got he's got great albums if you're kind of into weird avant-garde modern day jazz and funk and soul. Uh but he does a song, the song that we talked talked about earlier. Um what's it called? What is what's the use? I'm, what's the use? I'm like, what is use? What's <laughs> what is it? Uh anyways, um <laughs> I was gonna go into like a okay fuck I'm I'm like rambling okay, but I saw on Twitter that he was like on the Tiny Desk concert and I was like oh I love Thundercat and I love his bass playing so he hopped on the What's the Use song and goddamn like it he has first of all he has that bass that's like eighteen frets uh not frets eighteen strings the majority of like, my notes are about Thundercat <laughs> I'm starting to realize as you're talking. <laughs> He's got like 18 strings and he's just so goofy too. And and you can tell that they're best friends. And yeah. and they are. And actually on Thundercat's new album uh, that he just released uh, pretty pretty recently anyways, uh he actually has a song dedicated basically to Mac Miller. Um, he went on tour with him, didn't he? It or would he, make sense if they did. Either, I, either I don't did know or it, he was going to before Max passing. But yeah, dude, that guy's fucking wild. He just oh, he's so good. He's wearing his he's wearing Dragon Ball Z pants mm-hmm. or something, or like, and and he's got his pink pink hair and like, and then uh, he sings that little bridge part from the. Yep from what's the use and then he just he's like it's this really high falsetto like <laughs> and then he just goes thank you <laughs> like really deep like and like mac starts cracking up he's like laughing and like it just totally like breaks like it breaks the immersion of them just playing music and they're just like buds you know jamming basically and i i love that it it just gives such a nice feel and uh, it's it's great i love it his uh his bass playing, by the way, like you said earlier, I don't know if he played on the actual track, but I could watch him play bass all day for the rest of my life. He's violently yeah. good. Oh yeah, I, he actually. So before uh, lockdown and uh, Rona hit everybody, he would have been the last concert that I saw. But the day of his concert, everybody was like, no, everything shuts down. <laughs> and so so I uh, I uh, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but basically Thundercat posted on Instagram and he's just like, tour is canceled as fuck. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm like, no, like it was like the day that I was supposed to see him and uh, 
So at one day, man, one day I'll, I'll see Thundercat live and it will be glorious. But So I'm doing a little, a little researching here while we're talking and it looks like when he did this tiny desk concert, small worlds, he played small worlds. What the, what's the use in 2009 and they were yeah. all his live debuts. So he hadn't played them anywhere before. Whoa. Is what I get out of this. And I actually have a note about that. I wanted to see if you, because you played in a band. We both pretended to be musicians for a long time before we were like, we're not, Correct. we quit. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, for me, when I played songs, I played so many of the same songs for so many years, so often that sometimes it was hard to have energy and like really not lose the meaning of what you're, what you're playing. And it, it's hard to stay interested in it. And I noticed during this set, everybody that was playing, whether it was keys, guitar, drums, Mac Miller himself, or Thundercat, or the other bass player, they all looked like they genuinely were having fun, and it almost looked like it yeah. was their first time playing a show, which was weird, yeah. because at this point, he's, I mean, Mac Miller himself has played huge shows, and I know Thundercat is pretty big too, so he's played... Tons of shows, but they all looked like it was their first time playing in front of people. They looked very grateful for the folks that were listening and grateful that they got the chance to play. And in the grand scheme of things, this is a tiny show for him. Yeah, and definitely. Not, that's not a pun. Right, right, right. Is that yeah. even a pun? No, no pun intended, right. I didn't mean it that way. But I didn't know up to this point that those were their live debuts, so I guess that that would kind of, that would kind of add up. That's exciting. If you're, I don't, yeah, I mean, if that's, if that's the case, I mean, it's exciting to play new tunes in front of people. Yeah. He did, uh, Mac Miller stuck to the form that I like on his albums that we talked about where his vocals are not perfectly in pitch, but there's right. so much heart in them yes. that I thought his performance was impeccable, really. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I would pay so much money to see him play that live. Uh, my next note is, <laughs> this is so far into the set and I didn't get it. It's when What's the Use is almost done. I was like, is that the bass player that Nate likes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to figure out that that was Thundercat, which is, he's not a forgettable guy. No, not not a, like he's, he stands out, man. He's a, Wearing like Dragon Ball pants, like I said, or maybe they were they're Gucci, but they're like really gaudy, and and just like, and then he just has his bass that's a million strings. I mean, God, I love that man so much. My uh, couple last notes for me. I don't know if you want me to keep going or not, but I'm going to. Yeah, uh, I thought that it was interesting to see an artist who the Tiny Desk concert was about take the same shape that he did on his albums where his vocal parts weren't the main focus. And it was kind of as if he went into the set and really stepped back a lot and let the musicianship of the band kind of take the forefront. And then he more or less just added to that instead of being the focal point of the set, which I thought made the musicianship of everybody together really strong, which is rare because like if, Panic at the Disco were to play, you know very well that Brendan Urie is the fucking everybody watch me guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I thought I thought that that was pretty interesting. I don't. This note's not even about Tiny Desk concert. 
that's pretty much all I have. Um, <laughs> just says pizza is good. I don't know. Um, it's part of my grocery list. But yeah, I thought all the performances okay. were really good, and I I would prefer to listen to his tiny desk. I think over the album tracks. I thought they were that kind of good. I yeah, dude. I hate to downplay the album like that, but I'm actually kind of in the same boat with you. It's uh, like I said, it's the reason why I wanted to do do a deep dive into his music, and then it's uh, it, there's something about it. I've watched this tiny desk quite a few times, and I still didn't dive into his music like I wanted to. But there's something about this tiny desk, and it's not just Thundercat, although that is a you know, a big plus to this, but it's, there's something in Mac Miller that he just, I don't know. He, yeah. Like you said, everybody looked like they were having fun. They were just kind of jamming. They were, they were playing some tunes and it's just a good display of someone who really enjoys their, the job that they were doing, you know, playing music. I would say that if anybody's going to actually heed our advice and check out Mac Miller, I would definitely look up the Tiny Desk concert first. Right. And if you don't know what Tiny Desk concert is, it, it's in the name. It's a, so. it's a concert at a tiny desk. Right. Not like a desk for kids. It's like a regular-sized desk. Like an office desk. Yeah, but the concert's tiny. That's neither here nor there. Right. Well, Nate, we're just riffing. Any, any, uh, anything else on Malcolm? I think his name's actually Malcolm. No, honestly, I. So this is like a somewhat uh, unorthodox episode, but it's kind of like the start to a journey into an artist, I think. And um, that's kind of the whole point of like album swaps and stuff. Yeah, th- where this one was like this one was very important to me for you to listen to. Because right. this album has gotten me through the summer. Not like emotionally or anything, just musically. I fucking love it. These albums, I should sure. say. So it was, it was very, very good for me for you to listen to it. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm glad I did. And, and that's kind of the whole, you know, it kind of points to why we do our album swaps and stuff like that. Because it's like, here's an album from an artist that I really like. Um and this is, I feel, their best display. But with Mac Miller and especially with artists like Little Peep, you know, or other artists who have passed, you know, I think there's something about, like, kind of giving them the respect that they deserve to kind of talk about them maybe a little bit longer than just an album or so. And, yeah, I don't know. It's I think Mac Miller is somebody that I could keep going back to musically especially swimming and it makes me want to go back to into other albums like um i know people really like good am and uh watching movies with the sound off Mm -hmm. i think is another album that a lot of people tend to like um (laughs) i did do a little bit of a dive back into like the old stuff that i remembered from back in high school and i was like ah no <laughs> i was I'm, like I'm with you on that. i was like no there's so many other people that were doing this way better and um but also you know there are people that really enjoyed it at the time i'm just kind of one of those few that was like nah this just kind of brings me back to to high school and i don't want to be there <laughs> so <laughs> i get you <laughs> I would be, but I like Mac Miller, man. I think that this like is him. in the same realm of Lil Peep, where I think that we lost 
I want to say a pioneer again, but I think that we really lost a good voice for what music can be coming from somebody who has a lot of heart and soul and really takes the time to, to do it. And that is a bummer. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Especially like we talked about at the beginning where from like the, you know, 2010 early on to where he's evolved to in just a few short years, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, it would have been cool to see what could have, what could have been. And at the same time, I think that really the music that he brought to the world is is worth checking out, is worth listening to. I so, bought it all on vinyl. Hey, whoa. Hell yeah. Maybe maybe I have to, I don't know. Actually, my, my I wife... I already have too many records. My wife bought it before I really got into Mag Miller, but I'm stoked that she did because I'm happy to have both Circles and Swimming on vinyl. Awesome. Well, um, this is a full episode. Yep. So, so What time um, is it? It's bad band mate time. Oh wait, I said bad band mate. It it it's bad band name time. It's bad band name time. What? No, I'm just doing the. I thought oh, we were. I do- thought you were saying hey. No, I thought we were doing a bit. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're always doing bits, baby. This is our friendship. We don't ever actually talk. We just do bits. My brother really wants you to bring back the 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 bad band names <laughs> jingle that you made. <laughs> Should we start using it in every episode? Anyway, bad band names on bad bandmates. That is tough to say. Usually you do the intros on this, and I didn't realize how hard that is. Bad band names on bad bandmates. Nate, yes. you want to go first this time, or you want to go second, baby? I think, uh, baby, that I, baby, uh, want to uh, continue baby going second. That means, uh, no, I don't want to go first. Well, I would have just said that. All right, bad band names. Josh's bad band name, number one, but we're only doing one apiece. Caveman Dining Hall. Yo, dude, that's just, that's probably a skateboard move. <laughs> so, you do I don't a caveman know, and just sit down? Yep. <laughs> All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confuse you here. This is, okay. this is Southern Rock. Whoa. I know. Not the vibes I was I was thinking of. Nope. But. And this is where it gets super weird. So their okay. their uh, their first album is called Putrid Meat. Yeah. Right. But it's Southern it Rock is. still. And then their hit single, there's there it was it, it there was only seven songs, which classifies as a full length album because all the songs are seven minutes long. Okay. Seven for seven. See what I did there? Or they did? Yeah. I didn't do it. Anyway. Their their hit single from this album is called Twenty Year Life Expectancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a twenty year life expectancy. That's exactly yeah. how the song would have gone if they didn't write it better. 
I got a 20. No, it's like, it's like, I got a 20 life expectancy and I'm going to eat some putrid meat. (laughs) (laughs) Just basically take the tune of any Nickelback song and then just. That was what it was. It was the. I used to stand in line of I knew you were going for that. Southern Rock. Because I thought immediately of singing that, but then I kind of was like, no, I don't want to like totally rip off Nickelback. No, but. you can rip off Nickelback because nobody listens to them anyway, so nobody knows any of their songs. Why do well, people hate Nickelback so much? I Like, I know that they're not good. But, <laughs> but Well, I mean. But that, that's a personal opinion, but people hate them. Like, I watched them play a show and people threw rocks at them. Yeah. They didn't end up playing. Yeah. Why though? So, my uh, my bad band name of the week is Digital Piss. <laughs> Digital Piss. Piss. Yes, P I S S. Digital Piss. Okay. <laughs> you want me to say it again? No. <laughs> okay. Five times is enough. This is uh, industrial metal. That makes actually no sense to me. I would have thought it'd be techno. Well, picture that, but metal. (laughs) That's basically... All you said was it's not techno, it's metal. (laughs) No, picture techno, but it's metal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, jeez. So... Yeah, whatever. Shut up. Okay, so, um, digital piss, industrial metal. Sure. It's like techno, but it's metal. Um, That's so confusing. Their album is called "This Twitch Stream Turned Into an FBI Search." <laughs> uh, the the first single off the album is called "You Can't Spell Single Moment Without Single Mom." So. It's not even, it's not funny, but it's, <laughs> it's really stupid. It's, I like it. <laughs> this might be the dumbest bad band name that I have ever done. Well, but you know what though? The, everything you said at the end is factual. You really can't spell whatever the word was. <laughs> single single moment. moment without single mom. That's actually accurate. Yeah. And I feel like it took me way too long to realize that that is accurate, and that's embarrassing. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, Nate, yours, yours was disappointing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it kind of was. Maybe I should have gone first this time. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I like, so, I like mine. I did, too, actually, because we got that nice uh, little... You know we gotta we gotta talk about Nickelback every once in a while. You know, I so. distill am mind blown. You distill am mind blown. <laughs> so it said. Well, you said I distill am mind blown. I don't see what the problem so, yeah. is. This is a couple problems, um, but yeah, I mean, you know what? The episode was at least good, right? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's subjective. So anyways, that was our bad band names. 
this was Bad Band Mates. Uh, remember, you can follow us on social media, Bad Band Mates, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can leave us album suggestions. We have bonus episodes that go up on Wednesdays every, uh, you know, couple, two, three uh, Wednesdays. And if you, uh, and if you haven't done it yet, if you want to dip your tits into mech, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though. I think, I think it was good. If you haven't done it yet and you want to dip your tits into Mac Miller a little bit <laughs> <laughs> before you listen to the full albums, we have a Spotify playlist that we've been updating. We'll post it on the socials. You can check that out as well as all of the music that we've talked about thus far in our podcast. Right. But you're going to want to just listen to Glass Animals and Mac Miller, I think, just on loop. So our album swap, I know this is kind of an album-centric episode, but we are going to do an album swap for our next week Mm -hmm. episode. And... uh, just kind of keeping in the same vein of Mac Miller and uh, because Thundercat was the homie on the tiny desk that did the nice falsetto uh, and then went, thank you. Um, I'm going to give Josh the album Drunk by Thundercat. Hell yeah. Drunk. Hell yeah. And I'm going to give Nate the Divine Feminine by Mac Miller, which I think is... Well, we'll talk about it on the next episode, but it's it's an album that I think was important. We'll just say that. Let's just say that, shall we? How should we end this episode? Let's do something cool. Did you just hiccup? Nope. You didn't go, <gasps> No, I, um, you're not going to believe me when I say this, but um, I, see, I have this, uh, oh, you can't see it. I have a uh, extension cord is the name of it, uh, and they ha- it has this little plastic thing on it, and I snapped it back, and it went, yeah.